everybody. My name's Penny Houston. I'm with New South Wales DPI, and today I'm going to have a chat about early sowing sorghum, pushing the sowing window a bit earlier. And I'm going to be talking with Loretta Serafin. She's our research agronomist in summer grains based at Tamworth. And Loretta and her team have been doing trials in this space for quite a number of years. So good morning, Loretta. Thank you very much for joining us and for your time. And just wondering if you can chat, have a bit of a chat to us about this trial work you've been doing. Hi, Penny. Thanks for the opportunity to come in and talk about the early sowing work. The research that we've been conducting commenced in 2018 under a project that's been jointly invested in by GRDC, University of Queensland, New South Wales DPI and CUDA. And so we've been working sorghum, early sowing of sorghum across a range of sites stretching from Liverpool Plains in New South Wales, up Moree and Mungandai region of northern New South Wales, and then right through as far north as central Queensland. So what is early sown sorghum? What's the definition if there is a definition? Well, the definition of early sown sorghum is really about moving the sowing window further forward or earlier than the traditional planting window. And typically we have relied on soil temperatures of 16 to 18 degrees and rising to be the indicator factor of when we should start to consider sowing sorghum. But what we've been really testing with this research has been actually moving the sowing window as far forward as soil temperatures of 12 degrees as a minimum and rising. And we've been testing a range of different planting dates within that range starting at 12 degrees and then testing up to our normal sowing time. So, Loretta, you said that these trials have been going for a number of years now. What's the uptake been to date? Well, it's like all new technology or ideas. Initially, there wasn't many people or many growers who were interested or trialling early sowing. But definitely over the last couple of seasons, and in particular last year and this year, we're seeing a lot more interest. Obviously, that's partially due to the fact that we've had a lot more favourable seasonal conditions. So the first couple of years, we were really quite dry. I think that's probably the understatement of the decade. But the last two years, we've obviously had very favourable conditions, both winter and summer. And so we are seeing a lot of interest, and certainly I've been getting quite a bit of inquiry across northern New South Wales for growers and agronomists who are looking for the opportunity to actually shift their sowing windows forward. Excellent. So, Loretta, I'm Farm Andrew at Mungandai Say. Why would I want to grow early sown sorghum? Well, I suppose if you were Farmer Andrew or, in fact, any other farmer in northwest New South Wales, the opportunities from early sown sorghum relate primarily to the opportunity to actually move the flowering and grain fill period for your crop forward so actually shifting it away from the general timing when we expect to see very high temperatures. And that typically in Mori Mungandai is being that growers would be planting in mid to late September. And so those crops would not actually be reaching flowering until mid to late December, depending on when they've planted. And, and so that traditionally means that it's going to be very hot at that time of the year. And that exposes the crop to a lot more risk of moisture and heat stress, which then has resulting impacts on pollen viability, seed set and ultimately yield. Excellent. Early sown sorghum, is there any impacts on grain yields or grain quality? Yes, so for sorghum, obviously the biggest driver of profitability in sorghum is grain yield. So largely we're talking about high yields equaling greater profitability. There is also obviously the secondary impact on grain quality. But what we've seen so far has been early sown sorghum has yielded as well or better than a normal time of sowing for sorghum. 
and that generally we've also seen improved results in terms of grain quality, and that has largely been that early-sown sorghum has produced lower levels of screening. Well, that's good to know. So it's a bit of a winner, sounds like, Loretta. Have you got any comments on water use efficiency in early-sown sorghum versus mainstream sowing dates? Yeah, that's a really good question, Penny. Something that we've been trying to measure over the last couple of years and we're putting a lot of emphasis on this coming season has been trying to actually measure the total amount of water used by early sown sorghum in comparison to a normal sowing time and also looking at the water use efficiency because obviously those are two different factors related to water use. So far, we've been quite, I suppose, happy with the fact that we've seen early sown sorghum actually producing improved water use efficiencies compared to our normal sowing times. But it's still kind of early days with some of those measurements and it's something that we'll be looking to measure quite intensively this coming summer. Really, I suppose if we're looking at what we're doing to the sorghum crop in terms of planting it earlier, we know that we're really having quite a large impact on the vegetative growth periods. And so planting sorghum earlier does mean that there is a much longer vegetative period so it takes more days to reach 50% flowering when you plant earlier, but you are actually moving the flowering window forward. So that is, I know, a concept that some people have struggled a bit to grasp, that you know you do need to ensure that you're getting your crop uniformly established and getting it planted early enough that you are still able to actually move the flowering window forward and achieve those benefits through improved water use and, and ultimately grain yield. So, Loretta, I'm assuming early sown sorghum is earlier harvested sorghum. So does that mean there could be some moisture left in the profile to double crop into a winter crop, say, like chickpeas? Well, that's an interesting question because, yes, what you're saying is correct. We're going to be moving the harvesting period forward. So you will be harvesting the crop earlier. In some ways, I'm kind of hoping that there is less water left in the profile when you <laughs> harvest because that would mean that you've used it all up and hopefully your yields are better. Yep. But what you would really like to see is that you're harvesting earlier, so you're extending the refill period. So because you've harvested, for example, at the end of January, as opposed to the end of February or early March, you're actually increasing the fallow length. And so that should increase the opportunity for double cropping with a chickpea crop, like you're suggesting. That is part of the attraction as well, because... We're looking to try and improve the cropping intensity for particularly those regions more north and west as much as we are also trying to improve the reliability for people in terms of growing sorghum and making it a profitable part of their rotation. Loretta, sorghum's obviously a cereal. Is it a host for crown rot? Is it going to offer us a disease break? And what about nematodes? I think there's a bit of a story there as well. Can you expand on that for us? Yeah, they're good questions. So a lot of our interest in including sorghum is certainly because it is a non-host for crown rot and also because it is resistant to one of the root lesion nematodes, Pratolenchus thornii. So it does offer hope of a disease break. The caveat that I would put with that is that having one crop in the rotation is not going to completely eliminate your issues if you already have high crown rot or very high nematode numbers. It's always going to be part of the package. And definitely knowing that sorghum is not a host to those two issues certainly adds to the attraction of the crop. But yeah, we want it to be part of an integrated system and reality being that the benefits of sorghum in the rotation overall are through things like splitting labour and planting logistics and increased cash flow and, and hopefully increased farm profitability overall. 
Yep. And taking advantage of growing a crop in a different season, a summer as opposed yeah, to the majority advantage. of winter crops. Yep. Yeah, this season is a classic example where many producers have had the opportunity to plant a winter crop. Some haven't. Some just didn't have the opportunity to plant their winter crop. And so now the option would be we either hold all of this country, which is often quite full over until next April or May before we get another planting opportunity, or we try and utilise that moisture now. Yeah. So we've had a good little chat about the benefits of early sown sorghum. How are we going to get this process right? What's Loretta's top tips for growing a good early sown sorghum crop? Well, I think with any situation with sorghum, the first and foremost thing in people's minds should be about looking at the soil profile. And while this season people are probably saying we don't need to look at our profiles, they're full, that's often not the case. So first thing is we don't want to be putting sorghum in a situation and setting up to, it up to fail from the word go. So make sure that you do have a full profile of moisture before you plant sorghum. Secondly, once you've made the decision to consider early sowing, then you really need to look at what seed is available and what is the quality of that seed, particularly in terms of germination percentage and also vigour. You can obtain that, that data. Once you have that kind of information, then you can move on to looking at some of the other factors which are going to have a big impact on your overall establishment. So sowing sorghum early means that we're putting that seed under an additional stress that it would normally not be used to. So it is taking a crop that loves summer and loves warm temperatures to establish and putting it into cold temperatures. What that means is that the colder it is, the more reduced your establishment percentages are likely to be. So you need to factor in that the earlier you sow, the larger your establishment losses are going to be. So perhaps that means compensating your sowing rates or perhaps that means just measuring your soil temperatures and coming to the reality that it is too early to sow and that you need to actually look at your soil temperatures and not just the calendar date. The next part of the conversation is usually around measuring your soil temperatures and I've seen a lot of interest or increased interest in people actually doing that and whether that's on-farm or using some of the existing soil temperature network. Either way is very important. Okay, so we touched on it briefly in our earlier conversations that the soil temperature needs to be 12 degrees and rising. Is this correct? And what time of the day do I measure it? How many days in a row? Obviously, want it on a rising plane. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, definitely we are looking for a couple of things. We've been suggesting 12 is the absolute minimum for measuring your planting depth and the suggestion is to measure that at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at your intended sowing depth. Now, for most people, their intended sowing depth is you know, between 3 and 5 centimetres and so it's very important to look at that depth and be aware that sometimes when you're looking at some of the soil temperature data available from other sites, it might be reporting the soil temperature at 10 centimetres, for example. So there can be quite a pronounced difference between those two depths. Yep. So I think once you start to consider that you're likely to go in with early sowing of sorghum, you should start measuring your soil temperature and measure it for at least three or four days and also look at the predicted temperatures for the next week to 10 days because we know that gives us a very strong indication about whether the soil temperatures are going to be going up or whether they're going to actually be going down shortly after you've planted. Loretta, there's a few other things we need to consider before planting this sorghum. Are there any differences in varieties that you've seen through your trial work where they've been sown early versus the normal planting date? That's a good question, Penny. There's always a lot of interest in hybrids, and certainly we have compared a range of different hybrids through the research work that we've done. In particular, we've focused on maintaining the same six commercial hybrids over the last four years of trials 
but I've also included a range of other different hybrids in the site to date, which have been locally relevant hybrids. What we've seen so far is that there's basically been very little difference in terms of hybrids based on their cold tolerance. But what is important and what is driving the difference has been the seed quality. And so the tendency has been that where you have a seed batch that has a poor seed quality, that has a much bigger impact than any differences we're seeing between hybrid performance themselves in terms of getting out of the ground earlier. Okay. What about fertiliser? I'm assuming the fertiliser regime would be pretty much the same as for a main season sowing, or do we need to put any more on because we're in the vegetative phase for a bit longer? I think that's a hard question. It's not something that I've actually been looking at as part of this research program. Certainly, if you consider that you're planting earlier, so the soils are cooler, so perhaps there's going to be an additional stress there, then some people would probably suggest that starter fertiliser is going to be more important. But overall, we haven't looked at impact of varying the fertiliser regime. With our trials, we've always made it a point to actually apply starter fertiliser as a standard. And then we've looked at really what is the background nutrition in those paddocks before we've made a decision on whether nitrogen needs to be applied or not. Yeah, right. I'm assuming that night that um, starter fertiliser will be pretty important to give that seed the biggest chance to jump out of the ground, considering it's under that extra stress of cooler temperatures. So a bit of phosphorus yeah. up front. Yeah, and I think, I mean, the decisions about fertiliser are very regional and a very localised decision. And if I was talking to growers, you know, at Moree and Mungandai, then highly unlikely that they're going to be planting and actually applying nitrogen for their sorghum crops because there's obviously a much lower average yield potential in those environments and so the potential return on the investment is lower compared to growers on the Liverpool Plains who are moving their sowing windows further forward. So it's really horses for courses and, yeah, I think, you know, potentially that's another area to be considered in the future, whether we can actually improve the establishment by a more targeted application on some of the starter products. Righto. What about row spacings? Any changes to those when I'm early sowing sorghum? No, I don't think there's any need to actually adjust your row spacings based on early sown sorghum. What I am seeing this year and getting quite a bit of inquiry about, particularly from the more Western areas, is that growers who are looking to put ground cover back on their country, there's been quite a lot of interest in actually sowing very narrow row sorghum. So sowing sorghum on 15 inch or that 37.5 centimetre row spacing, as opposed to what we would normally expect to see out there, which is a one metre solid or a 1.5 metre solid or a single skip kind of configuration. So part of that is being driven by, as I said, the desire for people to try and rebuild ground cover in country that hasn't had a lot over the last few years. And secondly, it's also about people looking at how much water is in the profile. And it's really hard to actually, I think, make a judgment call on sowing very very narrow row sorghum when I don't have data out in that region to support it or to actually go against it. But the biggest consideration and discussion I've had with most people has been about, well, do we have the water to support narrow row spacings through the whole season? And if people could tell me they weren't going to run out of water, (laughs) then I'd probably be a lot more comfortable with a lot narrower row spacings. But really what we're doing in that situation is we're changing the way that those plants are arranged in the paddock. So we might have had five plants to the square metre on a linear row at a one metre solid planting. If we put that across three rows, then obviously we're arranging those plants in a different fashion. And that means there's a much shorter time frame for the roots of those plants to actually be able to explore and actually access the water 
that's available in the inter-row area. That, I think, will be a key factor this season, is how soon do we burn up our water, um, particularly in through lateral root movement, even though, yeah, we do know that at the moment we've got deep water available. Yeah, you just touched then on plant population. So is five plants per square metre, no matter what your row configuration, is that the magic number that we're looking for? And is it the same between the western areas and, say, the Liverpool Plains? I don't know if I want to say that five is the magic number, <laughs> but I think five is a good target and that if you establish between four and five, particularly in the more northwestern areas, then I'm very comfortable that you've got enough plants to actually optimise your yield whatever the seasonal conditions might be. The challenge with having very low plant populations has always been about establishing a uniform plant stand. So the lower you go with your targets, the more difficult it is to have those plants arranged in a kind of uniform fashion and avoid gappy stands and big patches in your paddock. As you move further back to the Liverpool Plains, then typically we can support higher plant populations because there's more water. The challenge this year with early sowing, and I suppose not this year, but every year with early sowing, is that we know that the establishment percentages are going to be lower the colder it is when you're planting. So people will need to make adjustments in their plant populations or in their sowing rates to try and achieve those target plant populations. Radio. Well, Loretta, we've had a pretty good chat about all things related to early sown sorghum, but where can growers go to get some more information? For any grower or agronomist who's looking to obtain more information about early sowing of sorghum, then they should firstly probably refer to some of the GRDC update papers where we've tried to actually produce a lot of our data and obviously the New South Wales DPI research results and related publications on early sowing of sorghum. And finally, I would suggest that people just pick up the phone or send an email because certainly speaking for myself and also volunteering other members of the Optimising Sorghum team would say that that it's important to discuss your options and so don't hesitate to call people and have the discussion around what actually is your individual situation. And perhaps at the end of the day, like some girls have said to me, they already think they know the answer to what they're asking, but they just want to have the discussion and the debate with someone else about what are the pros and cons about the way that they're planning to do things. Yeah, sometimes you just need that voice of reason, don't you, to share your ideas and et cetera with. Absolutely, and that's what agriculture is best at, is that we're open to sharing ideas and point of doing research, as far as I'm concerned, is to test the boundaries and to provide data for people so they have a better indication about what is likely to be the result. And they would say statistically that result will not hold true 100% of the time, but Certainly, we've got a really good data set now, which gives us confidence in being able to tell people that there is an opportunity to plant sorghum earlier and that it won't suit every paddock and every season, but that the opportunity is there and it's about us taking that opportunity and giving it the best chance we can to provide profitable yield. Loretta, I think New South Wales DPI is working on a management guide for want of a better title on early sown sorghum, which is really targeted at growers. Hopefully that'll be out soon and that might be another good place for growers to get a few tips and tactics on how to grow their crop. Absolutely. We are working on a short four-page document, which will be quite concise and really just talk about the main points from our research. And I think when people don't want to read a very scientific and lengthy publication, this is probably a really good place to go to. 
Great. Now, Loretta, it's been a really good chat. I just want to finish off with a couple of summary points. Tell me if I've got it wrong. So I'm Farmer Penny now that wants to grow sorghum in northwest New South Wales. A few things I've got to consider is don't set my crop up to fail and make sure I start with a full profile of moisture. Seed quality is king. Know the germination and vigour of your seed and the fact that we're sowing into cooler temperatures, which are 12 degrees and rising at an absolute minimum, means that I'm probably going to have to adjust my sowing rate to account for a lower germination or lower vigour of those plants. And I need to know what that soil temperature is by measuring every day at 8am over a number of days and I'm going to be sowing on a rising temperature, right on a rising soil temperature. If I missed anything, did I get anything wrong? I think as Farmer Penny, you've actually done pretty well. But if I was saying to you one last thing we probably missed, and probably a lot of us are missing that this year because it hasn't been an issue, has been to make sure that you've got adequate soil moisture in the seedbed where we've certainly been living the good life in terms of regular falls of rain this season. But we need to make sure that when we're planting that seed, that we're putting it in a zone where we expect there'll be sufficient moisture there for two to three weeks. And that is probably a hard concept for people to adjust to when they're used to planting sorghum in the middle of summer and seeing plants out of the ground three, five, seven days after planting. When we're saying to them, plant now, it's early, come back in two weeks and hopefully you'll start to see some plants coming out of the ground then. So bear in mind that those seeds will need to be placed at a point where they're going to have adequate seed moisture for, I would suggest, two weeks after planting. So that's a really important factor. You do not want to plant the seeds and then have them dry out and just be sitting there waiting for the next rainfall event. No, no, no. Great tip. Well, Loretta, thank you very much for your time today and a huge shout out and thanks to you and your team and your fellow researchers for this wonderful work you've done in this space. And hopefully we'll have a chat to you in the not too distant future when you've got some more results and we can help expand the story to growers out there. So thanks very much, Loretta. Thanks, Penny. Look, I think you've covered it well there in thanking the team that works with me. They certainly make doing this work so much more pleasurable. But a big thank you to the growers who have cooperated with us over the last four to five years because it's been through them providing the opportunity for us to do this work that we've been able to actually collect data, which I hope will be benefiting the industry for years to come. Excellent. Thanks, Loretta, and bye for now.